Blog Talk Radio. Good Saturday morning. If you're in the Northeast, particularly Philadelphia, you're probably looking out your window. Snow's already on the ground, the rooftops, and you're seeing a few snowflakes come out the sky. But it's very cloudy, and they said we're supposed to get even more snow today. I love the snow, so for me, this is this is good news. And I hope we get a couple of huge snowfalls this year. My son always says, "Oh, why do you why do you say that?" Because some people don't like it. I love it. I want to welcome you wherever you are in the world. We get listeners from all over the world to uh, welcoming you to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for this Saturday. We're in the middle of December, you guys. I hope you, those of you who celebrate the winter holidays and Christmas, et cetera, I hope you started your shopping already. I, I haven't started mine, even having said that. I usually wait to the last minute. But I want to welcome you to Off the Shelf for this Saturday, December the 14th. And I thank you, thank you for being here with us. As I always tell you, I wish you could feel my excitement. It's just such a joy to have you here with us. I so appreciate you and to our loyal listeners. I thank you, thank you, thank you to to those who have been with us for 10 years. I truly, truly appreciate you. And as I always tell you, make sure you tell your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, your relatives, everybody to tune in off the shelf on Saturday mornings, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Our listeners just keeps growing and growing and growing. For those who is my, maybe your first time tuning in, you're like, who is this lady talking? I want to introduce myself to you. I'm your host, Denise Turney, coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And again, I want to thank you. It would be like a, you just keep hearing me say it. You keep hearing me say thank you for your support. And I encourage you not to let another day pass before you pick up a copy of my latest book, which is Love Pour Over Me. You can get a copy for yourself for the holidays, a copy for a relative or a friend, of love pour over me, you're going to get mystery. There's something that happens in the story. You'll have to stick with it to find out who done it. So there's, there's some of that in there. There is a wonderful romance between the main character, two main characters actually in the story, and friendship. These four guys' friendship. You will never, never forget it. There are also high chase scenes and just loads of entertainment. And and you can get a copy. Amazon, I think, has it for like $3, and I forget how much, 3 and some change. And eBook it, I think, has it for maybe either 3 or $4. But you can get it online or offline anywhere. Again, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Walmart. If you don't see it on the shelves, just ask the clerk for it, and they can order a copy for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So please go get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. I think you're really going to love that story. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest today, I love how you pronounce her name, and I hope I say it right, Nike or Nike, I love how you say her name, Campbell Fatoki, and I bet you I just messed up her last name. Nike was <laughs> it's, born. Yes, it's Nike. You got it. Nike, and Nike yes. was born in the Ukraine. She grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. After she came to the United States, she went to attended Howard University, and at Howard, she earned a Bachelor of Arts in Economics. Then she went on to earn a Master's of Arts in International Development, and she earned that from American University. She, in addition to writing. This is her debut novel, Thread of Gold Beads. Nikkei has also founded Eclectic Goodies, and it's a favors and gift packaging company. So she's got a full plate, and she has been so gracious. We have a wonderful announcement. She's said that she's given away two free copies of her new novel, Thread of Gold Beads, to the first two Two free copies to two off-the-shelf listeners, and you can email me to get a copy. My email is rcampb3422 at aol.com. I'll say that again. Or you can just go to my website, and the website is www.chistel.com, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. Or the email again, rcampb3422. 3422 at AOL.com. Don't be shy and say, oh, I know everybody's already 
put in their email until I don't have a chance. But just email. So if you sit back, you you can miss out. We've given away books before here on the show. So and put thread of gold beads in the email subject line, and I'll send that over to Nick K. So you can get a free copy. Again, don't tell yourself you don't have a chance, and then don't email in because you may <laughs> have a chance. Okay. So we want to thank Nick K for giving us that offer today, and now we want to welcome her to Off the Shelf. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Nick K. Thank you, Denise. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. I was up late last night. I was doing some freelance writing for a client out of Atlanta, and then I said, let me finish, uh, let me do Nikkei's uh, interview, do the research for interview, and I love, I always learn something from every guest we have, as I know all our listeners do, and I'm always inspired by every guest that we have, and doing the research, it's just so interesting, the things that crop up. So I want to begin by asking you, what was it like growing up in Lagos, Nigeria, and did you live there until you were an adult, or did you come to the States when you were still a child? I lived there till I was about 19 years old. So um, okay. for most of my formative years, I lived in Lagos, Nigeria, yes. So what was it like growing up there for you? It was excited. There was no dull moment living in Lagos. If you've heard about Lagos, Lagos is like New York. There is no dull moment. Um, it was, I grew up around a very loving family. Um, my nuclear family was there. My external family was there. So you know the term where they say the whole village, you know, is the one that takes care of the child? That's basically what mm-hmm. happened. And auntie could scold you and hit you at any moment, knowing that they did it with love and care, knowing they wanted the best for you. So we grew up with a lot of love and a lot of discipline. And um, it was just wonderful growing up around basically um, everybody, and particularly my grandparents. Um, they were really loving grandparents, and I learned a lot from every single member of my family. Um, that was my family life. And then there was my school life. Um, it was also very interesting. I basically went to, I think, about three or four elementary and, and, and middle schools. I was moving wow. every two years. And I, the thing is, I didn't come from a military family. It was just life. It just happened like that. We just had to move around for a while uh, mm. until, until um, you know, stuff just happened. So I, I right. basically, and in so doing, God always worked things together for our good. Um, when yes. I was going through all the moving around, I was, so depressed, you know, I made friends every two years, and then I had to leave again, I'm like, what's going on? But um, I realized that um, I have, right now, I know that it worked together for my good cause, now I, I make friends easily. <laughs> ah, see. I'm able to, I'm able to not lose those friendships that I had before, but I mm-hmm. made friends easily as I, as I move around my life now, and I move to new jobs, I go to different events, I just have that knack for getting to know people and knowing them deeply and holding yes. on to those friendships for a long time. So that worked together for my good as well. So um, school life was very dynamic as well. And um, I love to read. I love to write. And um, I love the social sciences. So um, I was basically, I really didn't like um, the, 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 the real sciences, biology, chemistry, biology. That wasn't my thing. But social sciences was my thing. So I kind of gravitated towards writing and social sciences. And so um, that was life back in Nigeria. Nigeria was um, very interesting. We went through the military regime in Nigeria, and it wasn't, mm. a very, it wasn't a very comfortable time for everyone because life was very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And um, it just made us more resilient as human beings and as Nigerians because even through those difficult times, um, we still tried to find things that made us happy. Um, right. A lot of us growing up then particularly a lot of my, my parents' age, um, they grew to know God, and that's how my mom came to know the Lord, and she brought us to church, and also we gave our lives to Christ. And um, it, it, even then it was a tough time. People grew to find something to hold on to, and that was God. So Nigeria became, became a more prayerful country, and people became more prayerful. So um, that was life for us then, and it's made us into a stronger people and made me into a stronger person. As well. Wow. You know, it's interesting when you said that. Sometimes you don't see how things connect. When you're in the middle mm. of something, I think that's the hardest place to yeah. be is in the middle. It's just um, 
there's a movie Denzel Washington acted in, and in it he, he it's it's about a he's in a plane crash, but there's a scene mm. in it where he hits turbulence, and he yeah. knows if I can just get above this, they hit a clearing, and it was just amazing thing. And so when you're in the middle of something, you're in that turbulence. You don't think it's mm. ever going in. You, yeah. if somebody told you you're going to get through this, you're like, no way. This really? <laughs> you can even almost want to throw the towel in because you feel like I, know, right? I, I can't stay in this state. And you just like, just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. Just keep going a little bit further. Yeah, <laughs> I know, hit, I know. <laughs> you're going to hit a clearing. It, 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 so when you said that, and then also how even those struggles sometimes we go through, I don't think we have to struggle, but when we go through struggles, you mm. look back and you say, like you did, I make friends easily. And because mm. as somebody who grows up in the same town, they're always around their parents, mm-hmm. the kids they went to school with, if they had to go somewhere new, ooh, they might have it's, a it's very yes. difficult time. <laughs> very we moved. Difficult. Mm-hmm. We moved. Mm-hmm. I was in the military. And so I get what you're When you said that, I'm like, that's me. I can go somewhere yes. and not even know nobody. And boom, it, well, it makes yeah. a difference. It's like, I, it's like I came from that mm-hmm. place. Yeah. So that is that is a benefit. Um I wanted to ask you, you talked about your grandparents, and I know when I was doing the research, you mentioned your grandparents. Who influenced you the most as a child? You said you're schooling, you have a very loving family, but who would you say had the most influence on you in regards to helping you develop a love for reading and writing? Hmm. Hmm, interesting. But you know, the person that really did move me and motivated me to read and write is my mother. <laughs> ah. though, my, though my grandparents did the storytelling, my mom was the one that activated it. Every Saturday, regardless of whatever else she had going on, because she was a busy mother, she, she had a nice, it wasn't really nice, it was like a 7 to 7 p.m. job. Wow. <laughs> because traffic, traffic in Lagos was crazy. You had to get out early to, to, to avoid the traffic. And she had to come in late to avoid the traffic coming back home. So I rarely saw her. But even with her really tight schedule, she would make sure that she would take us to the bookstores because she, I think she, she wanted us to develop the reading um, habit. I, have, I had mm-hmm. an older brother and a younger sister at that time. And she would take us um, to the bookstores on the island. And she would buy all, she, regardless of whatever, we would point at the book and she would buy it for us. So we'd come back with, with books and books that would read, and it was like the highlight of our week. She would do that every single Saturday. Wow. So she is one that really influenced me. It's one thing to tell stories. It's another thing to develop the craft. And that, right. to develop the craft, you have to read what other people have written to be able to start growing and thinking, oh, I can do this as well. So I would say my mother was the silent one, but she was the one that really motivated me to, and, and really pushed me to start writing and reading more. So. That is so wonderful. What what, what mm-hmm. was it like for you, Nikkei, coming from moving from Africa? And I've I I know other people who've come from other countries to the states, and sometimes they become so Americanized. It's like they mm-hmm. that like they were born here. But what you were nineteen when you came here. What was that adjustment yeah. like for you, moving from Africa or any other country to the United States? Yeah. And you were nineteen when you came here. But what was that like for you? And did your whole you know, family like, come, or did you? Did your whole family come, or did you just come? No, no. I came. I came not out of. Um, I came out of um, necessity, not because I. I really didn't want to come. I already was basically a, a young, an adult. Um, I had my. I was already in University of Lagos. I had finished my first year. I was in my second year, and um, I had my plan. I had a plan for my life. I, I had everything that I wanted to do in Nigeria, but. I had to come because it was a necessity. At that time, it was still a very turbulent time in Nigeria, and they had closed down the universities. Um, and I, I wasn't even sure when it was going to be open again. I had spent a whole year and a half at home doing nothing prior to that, before school started. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to spend another year holding up my life. I need to right. get going. And my right. sister was already in the, in the, in the, at Howard University, um, in the engineering program here, oh, okay. and so I, I decided to transfer as well into the economics program from Niger, from University of Lagos, and so they took me, and I was like, my mom was like, I'm off. <laughs> you got to keep on 
leaving, you've got to keep on doing what you need to do. So that's why I came here to continue my education. Um, I thought it was going to be easy <laughs> adjusting to the U.S. because my sister was here and I right. was here, but it was tough. Um, okay. It wasn't like we were the richest people in the world. Um, we, weren't, we weren't that rich. We were just an average family just, you know, living by and doing the best we can with my mother being right. basically the head of the family. And um, coming here, um, I only had money for the first semester. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, she had to come up with the money for the second semester. But I determined in my spirit that I, she wasn't going to pay for my education after that. She'd done a lot for me already. My family had done so much for me already. So Howard University is such a great university. And if you are able to academically do well, you will get funded. And so I made sure I had a 4.0 by the end of my second semester. Wow. And I kept up those grades. I kept up my grades such that Howard University School of Arts and Science paid for the rest of my tuition for the rest of my wow. time at Howard University. So good that's how I you. got fine. <laughs> wow. Good, good, good for you. And you know that's what? I, I, I have other people I've met, uh, and my son has friends from all over the world, but other people I have met, they come from other countries. It's two things I've noticed, and I don't know if it, this happens as well as when a, if America, an American goes to another country. People put in more effort, and I don't know if it's because, hmm. the, I don't know, if they just assume that, okay, I, I don't have the family here, I have to hmm. do more, and yeah. that they do do that. Maybe Americans do the same thing when Americans go to another country. If American went to Africa, and they're like, I don't know nobody here, and yeah. i, I got to make this work. So that you put in more effort. And I don't know if that's what happens when people go to other countries. But one thing I wanted to ask you was I do know that African students tend to perform exceptionally well and in America, it's not so much that case. Have you noticed that? I'm just curious. That's a question that just popped into um, my head. Well, I don't think it's being African or American. I think it's an individual thing because I don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, make make an American feel that they're any less because I've seen right. Americans who, who do exceptionally well as, as well as as Africans as well. It's um, I think it's an individual decision you make in your heart. Um, when you know that people are relying on you, they're looking up to you, you feel it's your responsibility. You feel that it's on you to do well. Um, I can only speak from my own experience. Coming here, my family looked to me. They didn't, they didn't like explicitly say, Nikke, we're looking to you to do well. No, it's in the things that they didn't say. It, it was just an expectation, knowing that they've given so much to me. It's now on me to be the best that I can be. And at the end of the day, I'm the one that's going to enjoy, the, enjoy and reap the benefits of this. I'm the one that's going to basically, if I do well, my family does well, but I do well as well. And God gets the glory. And so that's how right. I see it. I, I don't think it's about being American or being African or being Asian. It's about it's being an individual and knowing that you have to be the best that you can be. So right, that's, right. That's the only way I can say it. And 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 you you and I want to get into your book, but you made a comment when you said my parents have done so much for me. A lot of us don't see it that way. We some people look at things whether it's a marriage or your family, they just or an employer, they just ought to do it. They that they're my employer, they should pay me. Well, somebody at the company's got to make revenues and sales, or they don't. They won't have the money to pay themselves. So if there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, even with parents, that a lot of kids don't know. Just You don't know what your parents struggled, and they, they yeah. did do what had to happen to make sure they took care of you. You just thought, oh, they, they're my parents. They're supposed to do it. So your level of appreciation, there's even a scripture where uh, Christ says the, the person who's been forgiven much, and really we all have been. Some of us just don't think we've done a lot to be forgiven for. But he says the one who's been forgiven much, or I should say, who realize they've been forgiven much, they had the most appreciation. And mm. so when you don't realize how much somebody's done for you, how much behind-the-scenes work an employer might be doing to market and brand and sell their products so you can get a paycheck, when you don't realize yeah. this stuff, your, your appreciation is low. And you tend to go around yeah. grumbling and complaining. But <laughs> when, you, when you realize this person's put more in, to invest it more into me than I may ever even know. 
you then start to appreciate. And I just think it's wonderful yeah. to hear you say that, and then that helped you to even do more with your life. I think that's just a marvelous, marvelous thing. Now, you, you're a budget and finance manager uh, for the city of Washington. Do you actually work on the city's budgets? I just want to try to give our listeners a little bit of backstory on you before we talk about your book. Do you actually do the budgets for the city of Washington? Or I, I, work I, with I, I do the budget, yes. I, I do the budget formulation, and um, I, I manage the budget and finance division for uh, Office of the Sheriff in Prince George's County, Maryland. Wow. Look yes. at you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's my nice part. <laughs> You had your whole life planned out in Nigeria, uh, yes. and you in well, a God, whole God other country. Isn't that something? Yes. Isn't God that something? Has a, and his plan wow. is always better. His plan is always better than whatever plan we have. His is always way much better. That's wow. how I see it. Because I would never have thought in the world that I will be where I am today. But he, he always has a better plan. Yeah. He always does. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more question <laughs> Before we talk about your novel, how has your education and your work in finance, I know you majored in economics, how has that helped you? Because a lot of artists, uh, like a lot of musicians and writers, they get taken advantage of on the business Hmm. side. Um, Mm -hmm. How has that helped you to manage the business side of your writing? Oh, it it, it definitely has. um, I'm always analyzing stuff. I always have a timeline on, on things. I'm always looking at the return on investment. It's made me, because I work with numbers, um, I do a lot of forecasting and a lot of projections, and I set goals, objectives. So I, I kind of like, um, for even writers, we, we, we write. It's an art. But when it comes to the promotion and the marketing mm-hmm. and, 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 and the money, it's business. And a lot of a lot, a lot of us can't wear both hats, and I think yeah. that I, I, and I think that's another reason why God took me into into the social sciences and accounting and budgeting to make me understand that part of it as well. So I scold for myself. Um, I readjust if I have to, but I, I always try and realize those goals so I can move further ahead and get to my destination at the right time. So it it's really mm-hmm. helped me to better better able to manage my time, my money and my resources, basically. So, Now, what inspired you to write Thread of Gold Beads? Well, I would say life experiences as a whole inspired me to write. But what inspired me really was the stories that my grandmother told me as I was growing up in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, her great-grandmother came from the Republic of of Bene, which was back then the kingdom of Dahomey. And she was one of the daughters of King Behazin, one of the many children. He had a your, This huge is in your family? Number. Yes. This and is that's in your family? Mater- yes, my maternal grandmother's side. This is a fictional oh. story, but I spun it out of that from the story she told oh. me. And that was many years ago when I was about nine, ten, eight, nine, ten years old. And, um, you know, I used to write after that, but... Um, when I got to the States and I started my 9-to-5 work, I started to ask myself that, is this all I want to do? What of your, my writing came back to me because I, I, I used to write all the time. And so I was reminded again of the stories that she told me. So I started researching the Republic of Benin and the fall of the Dahomey Kingdom. And um, I started to see so many interesting things that I never in the world would have thought about. And I decided I have to write the story. So um, that's that's basically what inspired me to write the story. <laughs> Can you say that the name of that kingdom slowly? And what is that area called today? It, it was called the Kingdom of Dahomey. It's D A H O M E Y, and is, okay. it is now it is now called the Republic the Republic of Benin B E N I N, and it's in Western Africa. It's right next to Nigeria. It's in Western oh. Africa. Right. I gotta look that up. B N I N. I have to look that up. Yes. Okay. And it was colonized by the French. Yes, at that time. So, all the stories in the book. You need to get a copy. You need to read it. It's it's awesome. I have to say so myself because when I when I did my research, it blew my mind about about the history of the kingdom, 
about the role of women, uh, about the, the, the impacts of war, and, and, and basically the impacts of what it does on human beings and, um, and what it does to a country and a nation. Basically. Wow. And, wow. and also, of course, there's a, there's, a, there's a love story in there as well. There has to be a love story, though. So. Now, <laughs> did, 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 did the, um, okay, the book is fictional, but are some of the events, some of the historic, are any of the yes. historic events based on real-life events? Yes, they are. Oh, okay. So people reading this will get a bit of history because exactly. I've never heard of this kingdom. So exactly. that's one thing, yeah, you're being introduced and get a bit of history, and they make, exactly. can go back and do even yeah, sure. more research on it. Does the title have special meaning? If it does, what is the special meaning? That title, I found it intriguing. If yes. it has a special meaning, what is the special meaning that it has? Okay. Um, Amelia, she's the main character in, in the book. She's the princess of Dahomey. Um, she's the, love, the most favored daughter of the king. And um, she had a gold, a gold beads, which were given to her by her mother. And um, when she had to flee the, na- the country, the kingdom at that time, she fled with the gold, the gold beads um, on her wrist. Those gold beads, apparently, were the one thing that brought her back to her mother's family in a distant land. It is the link that brought her back home in Western Nigeria. And in the story, you will see the link of why I have to use the name. And it is very relevant to the book as well. Uh, can you mm-hmm. give our off-the-shelf listeners who are wanting to know even more about this book, and I'm, I'm, I've just got Amazon up because I'm going to order a copy. Can you give okay. our off-the-shelf listeners a brief synopsis of Thread of Gold Beads? Okay. The Thread of Gold Beads was um, set in the late 1890s in Western Africa, and that's Benin Republic. And it tells of the, the fall of the kingdom and under the last independent king of Dahomey, which was King Hazen. He was a real king, and he was the last independent king because, before the French came and colonized uh, the kingdom. And um, it, tells of, it, it tells of the story of the daughter her name is Amelia. Um, she was a favored daughter of the king, the most favored daughter of the king. Her mother was the favored wife of the king. And when the kingdom came down and fell due to the colonization, she had to flee the country, the nation, with her half-brother into Western, Afri- Western Nigeria, which is right next to Benin. And um, she goes through a lot of challenges. She goes through a lot of loss and betrayal. Um, at that time, she met a benefactor who took her in as her own, as a daughter, and basically took care of her, brought her up, trained her to be a real businesswoman in Nigeria. And life went on as usual. But then again, she found love. Uh, she tried to settle for what she thought was best for her until um, the betrayal that she was unknown to her, she was betrayed by her brother, who was also in Nigeria with her. And a lot of things come to light. And in, wow. and in realizing that, yeah, yeah it, was, it was heart-wrenching. She lost a lot. And when things seem to be coming back to normal, the person that she thought she lost in the Republic came back to find her. I'm not going to give that away because that is Yeah, no, no, we don't want to be like, the story away, wow. Right. <laughs> but um, that it's is... a lot of history. It's a lot of history. You're going to learn a lot of history from there. You're going to learn a lot of of Africa, about Africa, and about our culture, and about how rich our culture is. And um, I hope you'll, you'll read it and, and get a lot of it. You'll get, you also find that in, in the book, there's a lot about who God is and how you can never let go of God, even through the challenges you face in life. And that's the now one you, thing that should be constant. You talked about the French colonizing. You know, we know the European, they just... I, I guess they thought the whole world was theirs, but they <laughs> pretty much <laughs> wherever they put their feet. Oh, this is mine! Mm, so, yes, just colonizing. Yes. I mean, the whole world. We know that yes. what happened with the Native Americans in North North America mm-hmm. here. I mean, just wherever they put their feet. This is this is my home. Um, wow! Yes, <laughs> and and literally almost erasing the history of the people mm-hmm. who were there before. But mm-hmm. was in Africa, I know Africa is a continent, not a country. Uh, it's got exactly. like over 50-something countries in it. But it, the whole of Africa, 
and excuse my ignorance, but was it all colonized? Were there countries, other countries in Africa that were able to, throughout all that European colonization, were, that were able to stay independent? Because I know India was colonized, and that's not a part of Africa. But India mm-hmm. was, I mean, they just literally, wherever they put their feet, they said, yeah. this is mine. But uh, yeah. And people had to fight to get their countries back. But did, yes. did, was all of Africa colonized, or were there any countries that were able to maintain their independence? I am not a historian, but I might say that Ethiopia was one that stayed to the end strong. Ah. Um, but I might be wrong, but that is one country I think stayed, stayed independent till the end. But then again, I have to go back and check, but I think so. Ah. For the most part, every, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something that is amazing to me? That colonization. I mean, it, it was the only places I think they didn't hit were Asia. And the <laughs> reason why, and the reason why you see different countries like Nigeria, we have over two hundred dialects, and people their their jaws drop when they hear two hundred dialects. That that means that you you can be a Nigerian and I, I might be a Nigerian. We don't understand each other. Is because right. the, the Europeans and um, the English came, and there were different kingdoms. In Ni- well, we're in Nigeria then, and they just brought us together, not minding that these were different people with different right. cultures, different religions. They didn't care about that. They just right. wanted to get what they wanted to get. Yeah. And so now uh. when you see different things going on in the world where there are rich, you know, racial tensions in countries, you're wondering why is that. It's because we don't really have the same background, and people right. need to understand that. So, right, the history, yeah. Mm-hmm. I- I mean, and and the people who come, came in and took over, just like with the Native Americans and the different tribes, they don't understand your culture, so you just get mm-hmm. labeled an idiot. And I'm not going to go too far down that path. You're labeled yes. an idiot, and they don't understand your culture. And if anything, you're looking at them thinking, no, it's not me, it's you. And you're forced yeah. to just, it, 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 to the fact that, and my heart goes out to the Native Americans. I mean, it's like their history got almost erased. It's uh, yeah. that people can survive is 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 just amazing. It just it really is. And I'm on a, and when countries come back and they say, you know what, we're going to fight like they did in India and what, the way Gandhi fought through his nonviolence, we're taking back our independence. We're taking mm-hmm. back. I, I, I really. Um, I really applaud people who get together and do that, especially if they do it through mm-hmm. nonviolence. We're going to take back our mm-hmm. – you, you're not going to we, – we're taking it back, our independence. That said, what type of leader is Amelia's father, King – can you pronounce his name? What type, Can you describe for us, is he a hard leader? What type of leader is he? But, uh, his name is Behazen, King okay. Behazen. He was um, – from my research and from what I've done, the research background, he was a strong, silent type. Boy, he was also ruthless. <laughs> um, he was ruthless in terms of anyone that um, challenged his leadership or his power, they would be found on, you know, killed. <laughs> wow. Killed, um, at some point. But he did it in such a way that it was, he, was, he was in the background. But his power fell throughout the kingdom. Okay. And um, he was very protective of the kingdom, so much so that um, he, 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 was, he, he fought so much against the French, so hard and so long. And I, when, I, when I did the research and I read through everything, I felt for him because he did, I believe he did all that he could for the French not to take over. But at the end, you know, they had more power, they had more guns, yeah, yeah. they had more people for them. I really felt for him. He tried all that he could for his kingdom, but at the end, I, I mean, he 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 was exiled basically from his kingdom. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And that, again, we talked that happened in other parts. The only place I think it didn't happen was Asia, China, Japan. The, the colonization mm. never got there. And I don't know if it's because they of their armies or they were so. The Europeans were so outnumbered that they knew, but we better not try that. But um, mm. maybe, maybe what, the climate didn't work well for them because I know yeah, that it, that it was something was that they knew. Bit, we, be, yeah. we better not try that. Um, yes. <laughs> why are people trying to overthrow his kingdom? I know the French were coming in to take over, but it sounds like, and I don't want to get you to give the whole story away to Threat of Gold Beach, but was there? 
I always think when there's a kingdom overthrown, there's something going on inside. There's somebody inside yeah. that that, mm-hmm. that an outsider has gotten to and said, give yeah. me some secrets, give me some tips, mm-hmm. see if you can mm-hmm. cause some dissension and some confusion, and it'll make it, e- it easier for us to take over. Where's that going on in his kingdom? Yes. Let me start off, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, when King Behazen's father, King Glegle, died, um, it wasn't automatically that King Behazen got the crown. He had so many other sons. And so it was a fight for who would be the next one. And so that okay. in itself was, was a battle. And the, the, um, the Biraho, what, that was the, the heir to the throne, had to amass um, basically support from the kingdom, the courts, the officials of the court, to see who, to see who would support him the most. And so even in, in the research that I did, um, there was one, one person ahead of King Behazen who was in line to be king before him, but that person disappeared. <clears throat> well, I can't say what happened to him, but he just disappeared. Uh. And so King Behazen became the new king. And so all those things going on in the kingdom, nobody trusts anybody. Everybody's looking out for himself. And so who knows? Maybe when the, the, the first Viraho disappeared, someone had something in their heart and said, ah. okay, I'm, I still have it in for King Behazen. I'm still going to get him any way I can. From what I read, um, yes, there was a traitor in the kingdom that went to the French, um, the French ah. and mm. basically tried to assault it and got the French into the kingdom to colonize the kingdom. Ah. And that was, a, that, bur- that, was a distant, that was a distant relative of King Behazen. Oh, that breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. When I hear that, because I, I, every time I hear that, whether it's here with, again with the Native Americans or in J- Jamaica, Haiti, uh, uh, India, you name it, where it was c- colonized, I always and in Mexico, I think even it's it's and they fought hard as well. Is I always think there's somebody on the inside who yes. worked with. If you're, if you're it, all it, it almost is always. Mm-hmm. They could never really win it if somebody from the yeah. inside wasn't yes. working. That's the that's the tragedy. That's yes. the tragedy, you know. And then, mm-hmm. you, then you fight as hard as you can. Now, is Amelia is she an only child? And what was of life like for her in the palace? Yes. She she was the only child of her mother. Um, she had half brothers and half sisters. They were huge, you know. Being a king, I had so many wives, but she was mm-hmm. the only child of her mother. But lucky for her, her mother was the favorite, favorite wife of the king, so she was treated specially. She had a special sessions with her father. He told her stories of the kingdom. He, every evening she would sit down with him and they would talk for long hours. And so she had a special place in, in his heart. And life for her in the kingdom was, you know, well, she, she had a ball. She was just, you know, living the life. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, um, and, and for her to now be displaced and to now live the life of a commoner was, was like a mm. shock. It was a huge shock for her. And, um, but the good thing was that her mother taught her to be independent even then. She, she had an independent spirit of her own. She was very inquisitive. She always wanted to know what was going on. And I think that's what made her survive in a faraway kingdom because she, she learned to, to trust her instincts. She learned to listen mm-hmm. to her, the inner voice within. And, um, and, and, that, and, she, and apart from that, her mother trained her as well with her grandmother to learn a trade. And so she wasn't just sitting down on her hands doing nothing. She, she was busy doing something, learning a trade, being an independent woman. So that was, that was Amelia. Now, 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 I want to ask you a question after I ask you this one that just popped in my head. With your, you're talking about Amelia. Why did you set the story in the 1890s? Why did you decide to set it back then? Because that was, that was how the story was true. The, the kingdom of Behazen was, and the fall of the kingdom was set in the, was in the 1890s. And I wanted to be as authentic as possible and stay true to that time. And that's why I kept it as, as true to form as possible. Okay. And, and people can learn, again, like you said, you have some actual history pieces in yes. the story, the threat of gold beads. Now, yes. you talked about Amelia and how her mother and her grandmother taught her to learn a trade and don't just sit around and wait for, I guess, to get married and somebody to care for you. This is the reason I wanted to piggyback on that. It's set in the 1890s. We know that here in the States, now, I, there's a woman I, I interviewed um, 
I can't think of her, Awiaka. She's Native American, and she wrote a book about the importance of corn. Every culture has a different beliefs and things that they value and appreciate. But uh, there was a woman called, I forget what her name is, Wilma Mankiller, and it doesn't mean what it says, but she's very prominent in the Native American community. And she was saying how women had an equal place at the table mm-hmm. in the Native American culture. I mean, I'm going mm-hmm. way, she said going way back. And they, mm-hmm. the, the Native Americans always said, if the women are weak, the community can be strong. You just, you can ask a, a part of your culture, your community, your family, you be weak so I can pre- pre- pretend to be Hercules. You're weakening the whole thing. You've got to say you be strong. You be as strong as you can be. And if each of us are as strong as we can be, we'll really be strong. Is that mm-hmm. the way it was from your research? Because mm-hmm. I know you weren't living in the 1890s either. Mm-hmm. But from your research, <laughs> is that the way things were in Africa where the women were encouraged to be strong? We don't want, I don't want you to be weak so I can feel like I'm super strong. I want you to be as strong as you can be. And thank, thank you for bringing that up, because yes, it was. Um, in Bene Republic, as well as in Western Nigeria, um, in Abel Kuta at that time, there were officials who were counterparts, reigning counterparts of men in the courts. For instance, in Bene Republic, uh, Kingdom of Beha- um, Dahone, the king had a rainmate who was a woman, and her title was the Kojito. She reigned alongside with the king. So they made decisions together. Any, any decision that had to be made for the, country, for the nation, they made it together. And every official in the king's um, court had a rainmate counterpart to him as well. So women had a place in the court. They made decisions with the men. They were right there making the decisions with the king in the court. They were as strong as could be. The Tononu was the head of the court, the king's court. She was the one that took care of everything concerning the household of the king. The women were strong women. They came across as strong women, women who made decisions, wise decisions for the king as well. So it was right there. Even in Western Africa, in Abel Kuta, they had a, there was a lady in the king's court who, who she was called, she's, and they still have them up till today, they're called the Iyalodes. They, they also are part of the king's court. They helped the king make his decisions as well. So women were, even back then, <laughs> they were very strong women. And I don't know if things change along the way, but somehow it changed along the way where women are thought of as the weaker sex. Mm-hmm. That was not the case in those times. We are not the weaker sex. We should be a part, as you mentioned, we should be as strong as the men so that we can be stronger as a people. That's the way it should be. And I don't know where that came up either. I, know. I do know <laughs> Wilma Mankiller uh, spoke at Merrill Lynch, and she said that was after the uh, the the United States was colonized. And I don't know if that was a Western mm. European influence, because she said mm. the Native Americans, the women were right there with the men, and the mm-hmm. men wanted them right there. They could say, "We can't be strong if you're weak." And so that's when that started to infiltrate their culture. Mm. I don't know if that colonization it was when. Men started to think, oh, well, you should be weaker than me because it wasn't that way before. So not sure where that came from, but women are starting to step back into to their own, which is really, really good to see. Yeah. Uh, is, is, is the thread of gold beads, is it available in your native tongue so, uh, you know, Nigerians can read it and enjoy it, or did you just make it available in English? It's available in, in English for now, but I've been asked, asked that many questions so many times, I'm, I'm going to start thinking about it, <laughs> of translating it into Yoruba. But it's just in English for now. There are oh, okay. several terms in the book which are Yoruba and which are a fon, which is a, a tongue of uh, the Beninized people. So you will see some terms in there which are, which are a little different, but then it's mostly in English. Okay. Okay. How much research, we talked about this a little bit, when you, when you, you did the research for the story, you, your grandparents would tell you these stories, it, it, it intrigued you, you went back, you started doing research. Did you like spend like maybe a year, a couple of years researching to get the background, the history, the actual history to go with the story? 
I, I had several years of um, research. I, I started researching about 2005, 2006, and um, it took a few years. I did the research. I, I scribbled some notes down. And then um, about um, three, four years ago, I, I mean, I, I started writing it and then give it to my editor to review. She had a comment. And then um, it's been several years, basically. So since 2006, I've been doing my research. And um, wow. I, 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 I now um, published it last year, November. Wow, yeah, you did have a lot of years, too. I would imagine going back that far that you would need that time. Yes, you have that time, yeah. You have to make it as, as truthful as possible and as authentic as possible. And to do that, you need the time to immerse yourself in, in, in that history so that you can give your readers the best possible information. Now, when you did your research, did you get a lot of oral stories from people that have been passed down through the generations, or is that information fairly widely available if you just go to a library? Um, a lot of the information, I got a lot of information from books um, in the library, but then I also had the opportunity to talk to some Beninois um, ah. indigents as well. So they, they told me their stories. So that was that was that was. Even it was it was the books are beneficial, but hearing the stories from yes. from indigents, it, it, you you just understand, you just feel it better. You you can better convey when you write because you can feel it in their voice, and you can understand it better because you are looking at them and they are talking to you, and and you can see the the experience in their eyes and the stories that their grandparents told them, and it it it, it brings the experience real, really home to you. You have fascinated me with this story. I've got to get a copy of this book. It's, you, you've written a story that you can, you can honestly say, there's probably no other novel out here like it. You could honestly say that, you know, not only is it a good story, you're not going to get another story like this anywhere. I don't care where mm. you go. Now, did you I don't find think it, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nikkei, did you find it easy or challenging to write the story in first person? I was reading the excerpts. I know it's told through Amelia's from her point of view. And I know that can be limiting because you can't then tell it sometimes. Some people use it from different, they might use it from the king's point of view and Amelia's and her mother's. Did mm. you do that or did you pretty much stick with telling the story through Amelia's eyes? And did you find that challenging or easy? Um, funny, I found it easy because um, in, in some ways I actually felt it was me <laughs> for some reason. So I, mm-hmm. I, I wrote it like it was me at that from from the age of 13 because um, I still remember when I was 13, I was just all over the place. <laughs> I wanted to know everything. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I could see myself being Amelia and um, I could relate because Amelia was close to her mother. She was very close to her grandmother and that was me at that age. I was extremely close to my grandmother. I would tell her secrets that I would never even tell my mother. So when I told the story, I, I kind of like went into myself and wrote from that aspect. And it was, it was easier than I thought it would be. It really was. Okay. Now, what have readers been saying? I've seen the review. It's getting excellent reviews on Amazon, loads and loads of five-star reviews. But what, what when you think about it, the content piece of it, what have readers, what type of feedback have they been giving you? What have they been saying about Thread of Gold Beads? Um, a lot of people thanked me for the history. Um, they were like, they had no idea of the history of the kingdom of Dahomey and that if not for the book, they would never have known. And I really thank God for that, that I was able to be an instrument to bring that to them. And, um, they talked about the culture and knowing about the rich culture of Africa, particularly those who are not Africans, that this was a first-hand experience for them, and they could, they could feel themselves in the book. They could feel themselves being Amelia and going through her experiences and just feeling a part of the book. And um, that was another plus for me. I really appreciated those comments as well. Um, a lot of people also talked about it. Another very interesting um, review was from a Nigerian. She is from a different part of Nigeria. She's Igbo. And if anybody, if you all know anything about Nigeria, we're somewhat sometimes divided in terms of culture and in terms of tribe. Um, 
we've had a lot of tribal tensions in the past, but thank God we are still one as a nation. And so when she read the book, she put the review on Amazon and said she just thanked me for the fact that she could see that we as Nigerians need to see ourselves as one. And that through mm. the book, she could see how Amelia, though she was from Bene, she could see the intertribal relationship between Bene and Nigeria and how we really are one and we need to start thinking of ourselves as one. So she brought the book from the 1890s into the present and found the relationship that there was and this lesson that we need to learn from the book into the present. Wow, isn't that something? And you probably didn't even set out to do those things. but I didn't. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, and it's just, again, it's a story that... You, you you can read a romance novel and you can get it from all different types of writers, but not this is a book that's just you you'd have to get this book to get this story because there's probably not another one out there like it. Will there be a sequel to Thread of Gold Beads? Well, I have I've heard that question so many times. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I I wanted to say no, but I don't know now. Um, right now, the, answer, the quick answer is no. I'm writing okay. another. I'm, I'm writing another book. It's um, compilation of short stories, contemporary, and um, excited about it. But one thing you might want to know is that Thread of Gold Beads is going to be adapted into a play next year. So that oh. might be something for, for readers who have read the book and for those who, who are going to read the book to know that yes, there's still going to be something about Thread of Gold Beads. It's going to be a play next year in the Washington oh, area. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness! Let us know yes. when it when it please. Yes. Oh, okay, I'm excited about that. When you I were am too. when you, I'm sure you are. When you mm-hmm. were a, a kid, you said you did a lot of reading. Your mother took you to the bookstore on Saturdays. Your grandmother read to you. What authors did you admire? You could introduce us to some new authors. What authors did you okay. admire reading their work when you were a kid? Um, I enjoyed um, Shinra Achebe, of course. Um, I enjoyed Wale Shoyinka, um, Ayiku Ama, the first one Nigerians. Ayiku Ama is Ghanaian. Uh, Buchi Emecheta, she's a, a writer of uh, children's novels. I enjoyed her a lot. She's Nigerian, but she, she, she's based in, in the UK. Um, I also, those were, growing up, those were the, the books I, I, I loved to read as well. So, um Many more. Uh, growing up, I've been open to so many, but I really do enjoy African writers because I relate well to them as well. Yeah. I read a book by, I've read one or two by African writers. I can't remember the woman's name, but I loved her work, the depth to her writing. Um, and then I love Jamaica Kincaid. Mm-hmm. Not Jamaica Kincaid. Um, uh, 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 I can't think of her name, but she, one is a Haitian writer and one is Jamaican, and the names just pop right out of my head. But okay. I love their work. But it's the depth. It's, 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 there's a, a depth of emotion to the writing. There's another writer whose work I read. He's from I want to say Scotland, maybe 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 he's from Ireland, but I want to say Scotland. It just the different terms. People use when they say "mom" or and, and yes, this is the different cultural. <laughs> yes, the I I really liked it. And I told myself I have to rework by more writers who are from outside of the United States, and not just a European writer, but from a totally different culture, and the the, the way the characters would interact, completely different. Uh, I love those books when I do read them, and the emotional depth is very rich from the writers that I have read in those stories. Now, we, we only have about seven minutes left. I wanted to talk briefly about Eclectic Goodies. When did you found Eclectic Goodies, and what are some of the services that you offer through your business? I founded Eclectic Goodies in 2011, and it's, um, it's a party favors and gifts packaging company. I do personalized items just to set things apart for your guests and make them feel special. And this year, I uh, introduced a new line. It's an African-inspired home deco line where um, we use um, African clothing and home decor. And I have just introduced this fall, the, um, the Ankara throw pillows. Ankara is a cotton material made in Western Africa. Uh, the throw pillows, I make the, we make the table runners, the coasters, and the table mats. 
and it's different because it's 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 Ankara. Ankara is 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 a wonderful different types of designs and popping colors that just bring out the life in anywhere you have in your room or in your home. So I'm just excited that Africa is being represented in in beautiful ways all over the world, and this is my way of just introducing Africa to the world as well. There is a woman, and I'm just as I'm talking to you, uh, she owns a company. I don't know if the two of you could connect. You might know her, Abla Doku. I don't know where she's from, but she has a company mm. called Event Stagers. You might want to okay. connect with her. She is. I mean, she knows a lot of people. She does event okay. planning, and she does it for gala events because what the what you do and what she does, they could complement each other. And mm. I have to send her. She's always sending me introductions to people. Okay. So I'm going to yeah, send her one and introduce that. her to you. I think That'll the two of you, your businesses, because she's based out of the Washington, D.C. area. You might okay. be able okay. to, uh, to to kind of ping off of each other. That, awesome. That's it. With, we're coming down the wire with today's show, coming to the end of the show. We only have a few minutes left. How do you find the time to work a full-time <laughs> job? You do the budgeting <laughs> and whatnot for in, in D.C., Operate your own business and write novels. I have to be honest. Life is crazy right now. <laughs> this is the budget season. I don't oh my lie. Goodness. I'll tell you as it is. It is crazy. But this yeah. is the time I just need to just take a deep breath. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just taking it once. To, I just need to prioritize. But having the time is not the issue. It's having the passion for what you do. When you have the passion for what you do, things will fall into place. Though I am stressed out right now, I am living my life to the fullest. I wouldn't have it any other way. This is my life, and I have embraced it, and I am thanking God every day for I can get up in the morning. I am excited to be going and doing what I do. It's just the grace of God, and I just thank God that I am living my life to the fullest. So that's what what I can say. (laughs) Okay, okay. Now, where can our off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your book, Thread of Gold Beads. You can get it anywhere, basically, on Amazon.com. It's on Kindle. It's on Barnes & Noble. Um, it's also in Nigeria for whoever might be listening from Nigeria. It's now in Nigeria. It's, it's everywhere. And, um, yeah, you can get it anywhere, basically. Okay. Now, it's in print and in, and in e-book form uh, yes. to all our office shelf listeners. If you're on any social network, networks like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, can you tell us what some of the networks are where our listeners can find you online? Sure. I, am, I have a, a website. It's www.nikesifatoki.com. I have a Twitter page handle. It's um, at Nikesifatoki. That's with an F, F-A-T-O-K-I. Uh, my Facebook page is www.facebook.com.nikekampbellfatoki. And um, what else? I am on Google Plus with my name, Nike Campbell Fatoki. Um, I'm on Pinterest with the same name, Nike Campbell Fatoki. <laughs> so I'm basically everywhere as well. <laughs> wow, you have so many of our guests have a full plate. And like you said, when you love what you do, it somehow works out. And I've got to introduce and connect you to Abla. Uh, and I've done writing work for her. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. Never met her in person, okay. but we've connected mm. online. But because you're both in the D.C. area, I think maybe your businesses can complement yeah. each other. So I, I want to do great. that. As we come to the very close of today's show, I want to uh, thank Nikkei, the author of Thread of Gold Bees and the owner of Eclectic Goodies, for being with us here on Off the Shelf. And thank all of our listeners. And for those who we know we have so many who listen to the archives I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds of listeners, and at times we've had topped a thousand per show. And through the years, we get tens, tens of thousands. I mean, it's just amazing how many people tune into the show. So make sure you tell your friends, your family, and your neighbors, your colleagues to, to, to catch today's show. It will be in the archives if you missed the first part, or for anybody who's coming in late. It will be in the archives. You can a wonderful interview. Nikkei was a fabulous, fabulous guest to learn and, and go you. out and get a copy of her book, Thread of Gold Bees. I know I'm going to order a copy as soon as 
IIIN today's show. It, as we come into the holidays, I want to wish you all wonderful, happy, safe holidays. You hear me say that through, through till we get through the new year. And as I always tell you, you are so awesome. We tell ourselves so many sometimes critical things about ourselves, but you are absolutely awesome. I, I say that to every listener. You are amazing. You are incredible. And that is the absolute truth about each of you, and not because you're tuning in to Off the Shelf, but just because of who you are. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Off the Shelf. I will shoot you an email, Nikkei. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye.